Chapter Twelve of Across the Years. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alex Lau. Across the Years by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Twelve. A Summons Home. Mrs. Thaddeus Clayton came softly into the room and looked with apprehensive eyes upon the little old man in the rocking chair. "'How be you, dearie? You hain't waitin' for nothin' now, have you?' "'Not a thing, Harriet,' he returned cheerily. "'I'm feelin' real pert, too. Was there lots there? And did Parson Drew say a heap of fine things?' Mrs. Clayton dropped into a chair and pulled listlessly at the black strings of her bonnet. "'Twas a beautiful funeral, Thaddeus, a beautiful funeral. Ah, I, I most wished it was mine.' Harriet, she gave a shamefaced laugh. Well, I did. Then Jehiel and Hannah Jane would have come, and I could have seen them. The horrified look on the old man's face gave way to a broad smile. Oh, Harriet, Harriet, he chuckled. How could you seen him if you was dead? Huh? Well, ah, Thaddeus. Her voice rose sharply in the silent room. Every single one of them Perkins boys was there, and Annabelle too. Only think what poor Miss Perkins would have given to see him before she went. But they waited, waited, Thaddeus, just as everybody else, till their folks is dead. But Harriet, demurred the old man, surely you'd have had them boys come to their own mother's funeral. Come? I'd have had em come before, while Ella Perkins could have feasted her eyes on em, Thaddeus. Mrs. Clayton rose to her feet and stretched out two gaunt hands longingly. Thaddeus, I get so hungry sometimes for Jehiel and Hannah Jane. Seems as though I just can't stand it. I know, I know, dearie, quavered the old man, vigorously polishing his glasses. Fifty years ago my first baby came, resumed the woman in tremulous tones. Then another came, and another, till I'd had six. I loved them, and tended them, and cared for them, and didn't have a thought but was for them babies. Four died. Her voice broke, then went on with renewed strength. But I've got Jehiel and Hannah Jane left, at least. I've got two bits of paper that comes maybe once a month, and one of them signed, your dutiful son Jehiel, and the other from your loving daughter, Hannah Jane. Well, Harriet, they, they're pretty good to write letters, ventured Mr. Clayton. Letters, wailed his wife. I can't hug and kiss letters, though I try to sometimes. I want warm flesh and blood in my arms, Thaddeus. I want to look down into Jehiel's blue eyes and hear him call me dear old Mumsy, as he used to. I wouldn't ask them to stay. I ain't unreasonable, Thaddeus. I know they can't do that. Well, well, wife, maybe it'll come. Maybe it'll come this summer. Who knows? She shook her head dismally. You've said it every year for the last fifteen summers, and they hadn't come. Jehiel went west more than twenty years ago, and he's never been home since. Why, Thaddeus? We've got a grandson most eighteen that we ain't even seen. Hannah Jane's been home just once since she was married, but that was nigh on to sixteen years ago. She's always writing of her Tommy and Nellie, but I want to see them, Thaddeus. I want to see them. Yes, yes, well, we'll ask him, Harriet, again. We'll ask him real urgent-like, and maybe that'll fetch him, comforted the old man. We'll ask him to be here the fourth. That's eight weeks off yet, and I shall be real smart by then. Two letters, that were certainly urgent-like, left the New England farmhouse the next morning. 
One was addressed to a thriving western city, the other to Chattanooga, Tennessee. In course of time the answers came. Hannah Jane's appeared first, and was opened with shaking fingers. Dear mother, read Mrs. Clayton aloud, your letter came two or three days ago, and I have hurried round to answer it, for you seem to be so anxious to hear. I'm real sorry, and I don't see how we can get away this summer. Nathan is real busy at the store, and some way I can't seem to get up energy enough to even think of fixing up the children to take them so far. Thank you for the invitation, though. We should enjoy the visit very much, but I guess we can't go just yet. Of course, if anything serious should come up that made it necessary, why, that would be different, but I know you are sensible, and you will understand how it is with us. Nathan is well, but business has been pretty brisk, and he is in the store early and late. As long as he's making money, he don't mind, but I tell him I think he might rest a little sometimes, and let someone else do the things he does. Tom is a big boy now, smart in his studies, and with a good head for figures. Nellie loves her books too, and for a little girl of eleven, does pretty well, we think. I must close now. We all send love and hope you are getting along all right. Was glad to hear father was gaining so fast. Your loving daughter, Hannah Jane. The letter dropped from Mrs. Clayton's fingers and lay unheeded on the floor. The woman covered her face with her hands and rocked her body back and forth. Dear, dear, dearie, soothed the old man huskily. Maybe Jemiles will be different. I shouldn't wonder now if Jehiel would come. There, there. Don't take on so, Harriet. Don't. I just know Jehiel'll come. A week later, Mrs. Clayton found another letter in the rural delivery box. She clutched it nervously, peering at the writing with her dim old eyes, and hurried into the house for her glasses. Yes, it was from Jehiel. She drew a long breath. Her eager thumb was almost under the flap of the envelope when she hesitated. Eyed the letter uncertainly, and thrust it into the pocket of her calico gown. All day it lay there, save at times which indeed were of frequent occurrence, when she took it from its hiding-place, pressed it to her cheek, or gloried in every curve of the boldly written address. At night, after the lamp was lighted, she said to her husband, in tones so low, he could scarcely hear, Thaddeus, I, I had a letter from Jehiel today. You did, and never told me, why, Harriet, what? He paused helplessly. I, I haven't read it, Thaddeus, she stammered. I couldn't bear it to you some way, I don't know why, but I couldn't. You read it. She held out the letter with shaking hands. He took it, giving her a sharp glance from anxious eyes. As he began to read aloud, she checked him. No, to yourself, Thaddeus, to yourself. Then tell me. As he read, she watched his face. The light died from her eyes, and her chin quivered as she saw the stern lines deepen around his mouth. A minute's more, and he had finished the letter, and laid it down without a word. Thaddeus, you don't mean he didn't say? Read it. I, I can't, choked the old man. She reached slowly for the sheet of paper and spread it on the table before her. Dear mother, Jehiel had written, just a word to tell you we are all okay and doing finely. Your letter reminded me that it was about time I was writing home to the old folks. I don't mean to let so many weeks go by without a letter from me, but somehow the time just gets away from me before I know it. Minnie is well, 
and deep in spring sewing and house cleaning. I know because dressmaker's bills are beginning to come in, and every time I go home I find a carpet up in a new place. Our boy Fred's eighteen tomorrow. You'd be proud of him. I know if you could see him. Business is rushing. Glad to hear you're all right, and that father's rheumatism is on the gain. As ever, your affectionate and dutiful son, Jehiel. Oh, by the way, about that visit east. I reckon we'll have to call it off this year. Too bad, but can't seem to see my way clear. Bye-bye. J. Harriet Clayton did not cry this time. She stared at the letter long minutes, with wide, open, tearless eyes. Then she slowly folded it, and put it back in its envelope. Harriet, maybe, began the old man timidly. Don't, Farius, please don't she interrupted. I, I don't want to talk. And she rose unsteadily to her feet and moved toward the kitchen door. For a time Mrs. Clayton went about her work in a silence quite unusual, while her husband watched her with troubled eyes. His heart grieved over the bowed head and drooping shoulders, and over the blurred eyes that were so often surreptitiously wiped on a corner of the gingham apron. But at the end of a week, the little old woman accosted him with a face full of aggressive, yet anxious determination. Thaddeus, I want to speak to you about something. I've been thinking it all out, and I've decided that I've got to kill one of us off. Hear you? Well, I have. A funeral's the only thing that will fetch you highland. Hear it, are you gone crazy? Have you gone clean mad? She looked at him appealingly. Now, Thaddeus, don't try to hinder me, please. You see, it's the only way. A funeral is the... A funeral? It's murder! He shuddered. Oh, not to make believe, as I shall, she protested eagerly. It's... Make believe? Why, yes, of course, you'll have to be the one to do it, as I'm going to be the dead one, Anne. Harriet! There, there. Please, Thaddeus, I've just got to see Jehiel and Hannah Jane for a die. But they, they'll come if... No, they won't come. We've tried it over and over again. You know we have. Hannah Jane herself said that if anything serious came up, it would be different. Well, I'm going to have something serious come up. But Harriet! Now, Thaddeus, begged the woman, almost crying. You help me, dear. I've fought it all out, and it's easy as can be. I shan't tell any lies, of course. I cut my finger today, didn't I? Why, yes, I believe so, he acknowledged dazedly. But what has that to do? That's the accident, Thaddeus. You're to send two telegrams at once, one to Jehiel and one to Hannah Jane. The telegrams will say, Accident to your mother, funeral, Saturday afternoon. Come at once. That's just ten words. The old man gasped. He could not speak. Now that's all true, ain't it? She asked anxiously. The accident is this cut. The funeral is old Miss Wentworth's. I heard today that they couldn't have it until Saturday, so that'll give us plenty of time to get the folks here. I needn't say whose funeral it is that's going to be on Saturday. Thaddeus, I want you to hitch up and drive over to Hopkinsville to send the telegrams. The man's new over there and won't know you. You couldn't send him from here, of course. Thaddeus Clayton never knew just how he allowed himself to be persuaded to take part in this crazy scheme, as he termed it, but persuaded he certainly was. 
It was a miserable time for Thaddeus then. First, there was that hurried drive to Hopkinsville. Though the day was warm, though the day was warm, he fairly shivered as he handed those two fateful telegrams to the man behind the counter. Then there was the homeward trip, during which, like the guilty thing he was, he cast furtive glances from side to side. Even home itself came to be a misery, for the sweeping and the dusting and the baking and the brewing which he encountered there left him no place to call his own, so that he lost his patience at last and moaned. "'Seems to me, Harriet, you're a pretty lively corpse.' His wife smiled and flushed a little. "'There, there, dear, don't fret. Just think how glad we'll be to see him,' she exclaimed. Harriet was blissfully happy. Both the children had promptly responded to the telegrams, and were now on their way. Hannah Jane, with her husband and two children, were expected on Friday evening. But Jehiel and his wife and boy could not possibly get in until early in the following morning. All this brought scant joy to Thaddeus. There was always hanging over him the dread horror of what he had done, and a fearful questioning as to how it was all going to end. Friday came, but a telegram at the last moment told of trains delayed and connections missed. Hannah Jane would not reach home until 9.40 the next morning. So it was with a four-seated carrier that Thaddeus Clayton started for the station on Saturday morning to meet both of his children and their families. The ride home was a silent one, but once inside the house, Jehiel and Hannah Jane, amid a storm of sobs and cries, besieged their father with questions. The family were all in the darkened sitting-room, all indeed, save Harriet, who sat in solitary state in the chamber above, her pale face and her heart beating almost to suffocation. It had been arranged that she was not to be seen until some sort of explanation had been given. Father, what was it? sobbed Hannah Jane. How did it happen? It must have been so sudden, faltered Jehiel. It cut me up completely. I can't ever forgive myself, moaned Hannah Jane hysterically. She wanted us to come east, and I wouldn't. Twas my selfishness. Twas easier to stay where I was. And now, now, we've been brutes, father, cut in Jehiel with a shake in his voice. All of us, I never thought, I never dreamed, father. Can't, can't we see her? In the chamber above, a woman sprang to her feet. Harriet had quite forgotten the stovepipe hole to the room below, and every sob and moan and wailing cry had been woefully distinct to her ears. With streaming eyes and quivering lips, she hurried down the stairs and threw open the sitting-room door. Jehiel, Hannah Jane, I'm here, right here, alive, she cried, and I've been a wicked, wicked woman. I never thought how bad twas going to make you feel. I truly never did. "'Twas only myself. I wanted you so. "'Oh, children, children, I've been so wicked, so awful wicked.'" Jehiel and Hannah Jane were steady of head, and strong of heartland joy, it is said, never kills. Otherwise, the results of that sudden apparition in the sitting-room doorway might have been disastrous. As it was, a wonderfully happy family party gathered around the table an hour later, and as Jehiel led a tremulous grey-haired woman to the seat of honour, he looked into her shining eyes and whispered, 
Dear old Mumsy, now that we've found a way home again, I reckon we'll be coming every year, don't you? End of chapter 12 Recording by Alex Lau www.twitter.com slash alexofthedaye